in James. You can go ahead and open your Bible. You know that we're in James. We've been in James for a few months now. And like uh, John Nugent said uh, a few weeks ago when he preached, uh, man, I'm wondering if this passage was for me. Did Dr. Reggie say he wanted me to preach on this passage because, uh, because of the topic? Is he saying I'm a friend of the world? Uh, I don't know. Uh, that was funny. You're supposed to say, no, Ben, you're not a friend of the world. Um, thank you. I heard one no out there. All right. So, um, big picture tonight. We're in James four, big picture. A friend of the world is an enemy of God. Or we could say the grace of God is bigger than anything the world has to offer. We're at James four. We're going to be looking at verses four through six. It says you adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Are you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Praise God for that. Okay, so we've been in the book of James, and we have worked from the beginning all the way to this point, and we'll work uh, sometimes before next summer. We'll probably finish this book. Um, but uh, no, what a great book to be in, right? Um, but we, we look, you know, this is kind of like a series of tests, okay, that James has laid out for, for the church, okay? How do you respond to trials? In chapter 1, verses 2, how do you respond to trials, okay? And then verse 13 of chapter 1, how do you respond to temptations? Further in chapter 1, how do you react to the word of God? Are you a hearer only or are you a doer of the word? How do you respond to people in need? How do you respond to the, the fatherless and widows? Or do you show partiality to people in, in the church, or in your circles? Um, then there's the test of works in James 2, 14. And then the tongue in 3, 8. We can't control it. Jason talked about the wisdom, wisdom of the world, wisdom, godly wisdom. And now he's coming to how do we respond? How do we respond to the world? Um, the Bible says very clearly to be a friend of God is to be, or to be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. And what does that, what does that mean to us? You know, I think, I think about this text, the world, okay, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, but this, this has great implications for us. What is the world? What is its impact on us? How close are we to this? And as a father of three children, of one wife, a husband of one wife and, and father of three children, and this is a big deal. Right? Because we live in this world. And, and, and what I want more than anything is for those three kids to grow up to be passionate about their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that God would use them to impact Ruston and Louisiana and the states and, and the world for Him and for His kingdom. But they're growing up in, in, in a crazy world, right? Uh, this is relevant to us. And many of you out there have children and you have grandchildren. And you're thinking about these things as well. All right, so let's look at this. First thing he says, it says, you adulterous people. 4-4, four, four, says, you adulterous people. Israel was understood as the wife of the Lord. In Isaiah 54, 4-8, through eight, we see that very clearly. Israel was uh, understood as the wife of the Lord. Um, the church is known as the bride of Christ. Ephesians 5, 25-27. Um, and then James just says, hey, you adulterous people. He just calls them out right there. You adulterous people. Um, James was not saying conclusively that his addressees were completely the friends of the world rather than friends of God. Rather, they were adulteresses or unfaithful lovers. 
unfaithful lovers. That's what he calls them. You know, and I, and I think about this in, in the context of our marriage. You know, if I said, Hannah, um, I, I love you, but I also love this other lady. And I think she's got a, I like her personality. I'm getting some looks already. I like her personality better. Or I like the way that, uh, I like the way she looks. I like her hair. I like the way she smells. I like her smile. You know, I'm, I, the looks have started and, and they would not end, right? Right? And it would be worse than that. And this is, uh, this is an example, an illustration. I love you. Um, you know that. All right. So um, that's, he, he says, you adulterous people. Uh, what greater shame or insult is there than to be called an unfaithful lover? Um, they were dangerously close to being in opposition with God. Okay, so he calls them adulterous people. And then he says, uh, let me just read it. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. All right, so let's look at friendship of the world. What does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, okay, so the, the Greek word there for friendship is philia, okay? To love in the sense of having an emotional attachment or an affection for. Okay, so the, these verbs for, for love, um, you, you've heard them in the New Testament. While, and this is, this is a quote from John MacArthur. He says, while philia and agapa... Uh, they are close in meaning, but agape love, agape love, that kind of love is stronger, has a stronger volitional drive, whereas the philia kind of love, there's a stronger emotional drive. Okay, so there's an emotional attachment here. And being a friend, the word friendship comes, you know, this attachment to the world. It's an emotional attachment. It is the word group that gives us the word kiss to demonstrate emotion and affection. Uh, it's an affection for the world, an emotional attachment to the world. It's not a casual thing, but a deep and intimate longing to belong uh, with the world. Uh, so you could say that um, your, your friendship with the world, you have common interests, common uh, concerns, common objectives, common enterprises, common affection, this sharing of experiences. And so as we examine our lives, are they in more in line with the, the world? Are they more in line with the, the word, with the Lord? All right? You know, I think about this. Um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, man, I, I, I heard that my friend, dear friend of mine from college, his, uh, his father passed away. And, uh, man, I had not spoken to Matt in probably, I mean, since before China. And, and you know, I've lived two lives since I've talked to the guy. And, uh, and so, you know, I find his phone number and, uh, I give him a call and of course he was grieving, but, uh, he was going through a lot, but it was just great to connect with Matt on a long drive back from Kansas to Florida to go to his father's funeral and talked to Matt in probably 10, 12 years. And, and we reconnected just like that because Matt and I, we were great buddies in college, man. We were, we were roommates. Um, we did ministry together. We, on, on campus at, at at the university in Hattiesburg that, that I don't speak of anymore. And um, uh, we, we live life together, and, and we, 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 love, we love the Lord, and we were passionate about ministering uh, in his name together. And so this one phone call connected over 10, you know, it's like we had talked to each other uh, last week. We had this, this uh, common interest, common objectives, common uh, affection and experiences as, as we walk with the Lord. And so it is that 
with that, that word that James uses to, to address friendship with the world. Friendship with the world is having, sharing common interests, concerns, objectives uh, with the world. The noun form of this is uh, philos, okay? So let's look at that. Matthew 19, we see this in the New Testament in several, several different examples. In Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew, you don't have to turn there. Matthew 11, 19, the love Jesus displayed for repentant sinners was this same kind of connection. Um, in, in Luke 12, 4, Jesus' love for the disciples uh, was this uh, philos love, okay? This is a deep connection, an emotional bond. Luke 23, 12, Herod and Pilate's common interest, their common interest in killing Christ was, was, uh, was uh, this word, philos, was used, okay? John three twenty nine, the relationship of the groom's best man to the groom was this same type of friendship, this close, common connection. And James says, he says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? If you, if you will, turn to John 15. Let's look at John 15 just for a minute. One of my favorite passages in the Bible. I really need to write down how many times I say that. I don't know how many times favorite can count, but uh, I find myself saying that often. John 15, Jesus says that I am the vine, you are the branches, that, that, this chapter, all right? In John, in John 15, 12, he says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That, that same word, that same word is used there. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. Um, so Jesus explains his, his relationship to his disciple, and he described the same way that he says we should not be friends of the world. Um, don't miss this. Jesus says greater affection has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And he calls them friends, implying intimacy, common cause, interest, enterprise, and, and objective. They share this, this bond. And then verse 18, Christ emphasizes that the way the world treated Christ is the way that the world will treat the friends of Christ because they are so commonly bound to him. Okay, so now we understand he calls them adulterous people for being, for, you know, he says, you need to know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. What is the world? Uh, listen to this quote. Uh, this is from, this is another quote from John MacArthur. He says, the world, this Greek word cosmos, is the man-centered, Satan-directed system of this world, which is hostile to God, Christ, and the Christian. The spiritual reality of the lostness and ungodliness of this system in which we live, a Satan-directed man-centered system hostile to God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and the Christian. It refers to all the values of the world, all the mores of the world, the lifestyle of the world, the ethics of the world, the morals of the world, the institutions of the world as they are established apart from and antagonistic to God. And you can say that the, the goal of the world is self-glory, self-fulfillment, self Control. You, you see a pattern in these words here? Self-indulgence, self-satisfaction, all that is hostile to God. 
And so this is, uh, this, is, this is what James is saying, that a friend of this self-centered system of beliefs and structure is um, enmity with God. Okay, enmity with God, friendship with the world is hatred with God. The love of the Father and the love of the world are completely different, completely different. All right, I'm going I'm to share some more scripture with you. First John, what, what is this world? What is this world? Uh, where do we see this in scripture? First John 2.15, do not love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. John 15, 19, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Do you see there's a distinct separation in the mind of someone in the world and the mind of someone in Christ? Romans 8, 7, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for either, either he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Okay, so there you go. All right, we, we've spelled this key phrase, friend of the world, all right, friendship of the world, is, is very clear, right? It's in total opposition to the Lord. So, so what, right? Like, so what, what, you know, what is this? That's not me. I'm not a friend of the world. Like the world, what, what is that even? <laughs> I just described it. Um, what is that even? It's, in, it's inanimate, right? Like we don't see it. We don't feel it. It's not something that we can just walk around because it's standing in the middle of the room. Um, or, or is it? You might say, of course I'm not the friend of the world. I'm a, I'm a Christian, right? Um, what does it look like? What does the world say? What does the world think? Let me just give you some quotes. Um, things that may or may not be bad. So if you've said these, which I've probably said some of these. Um, don't go hide in the corner like you're, you're uh, of Satan, right? No, but these are some things that you, the messages that messages that you hear in the world that are not of the Lord, or maybe need further explanation to, to graft them in to, to what scripture says, what you believe is good for you. And what I believe is good for me, whatever you want to believe, that's okay. Uh, never said by anything in the word of God, right? That one is clear cut. Um, that's a message of the world. But do you hear that? Do you hear that? Yeah. All right, how about this one? And this is one that be who you are. Just, just that's who you are. Just be who you are. Um, let me just say, that can be okay to say, like, like be who you are, like be who God made you to be might be a better way. I would like to say like God made you. Okay. And you are a, you are a sinner. We're all sinners and we are not perfect. And we need Christ to save us, to change us, to mold us into him and do it the way that God made you do it. Right. But just be who you are. That's how you are. Oh, that's how he is. Well, you know, uh, the Bible says there's hope for that person, right? Here's another one. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Hey, I like, that's pretty good, right? Um, this is what the world will tell you. And I like it. You know, like I like, be, hey, be confident. 
Know who you are in the Lord. Know who he created you to be and live out of that. Hey, I do that every day. I, I know this person right here, uh, I am nothing without Christ. It is, it is, he is everything to me, right? And I put that on in the morning and I wear that through the day. And I get weak and it may rain and I may get wet, okay? But, that, but that's what I live in. It's not, um, it's not this self-confidence that, that Ben is awesome, because I'm not awesome. And there are three people right there that can tell you that. Uh, uh, she just said I'm awesome. Actually, she said I, I'm awesome. So uh, write that down, please. Are we, are we recording this? Uh, yes, thank you. All right. Hey, you know, we hear it. I heard it uh, a million times when we lived in East Asia, right? Like, I, I don't believe in God. I believe in myself. Well, that is the worldly way of saying I believe in myself. And, and you know what I would say? Man, that, that's great. And I'm glad that you're confident in that. But who made you, right? And then, and then what happens whenever yourself no longer can do anything anymore? You know, like you're dead, all right? There's somebody who created you and spoke life into you. Um, we need to put our faith in God. Believe in yourself. Hey, I want to tell my kids when on a bad day, hey, trust the Lord. Believe in the abilities that he gave you. Believe in yourself because God gave you that. That's a, I think that's a good way to say that. Um, uh, I'll skip the next one. How about this one? Have you heard this one? If it makes you happy, it's okay. It's, it's okay. I mean, if it makes you happy, it's, it's all right. Right? Is that a good one? Have you heard that one? Yes, absolutely. And somehow in our mind, somehow in our world, well, I can tell you how, I guess. But in, in our world, we've come to this, we are entitled to, to happiness. Like that's an, the American dream is happiness. It's actually the pursuit of happiness, okay, was, was that uh, that our our founding fathers uh, put uh, put there, but it's not um, just happy. You know, you, you know, just if that makes you happy, then do it. Well, that's not what the the Lord says. Okay, so these are messages. Hey, but at the end of the day, man, I want you to be happy. Who, who I want you to be happy. I want you to know that Christ loved you and He died for you, uh, for you, and, and, he, and He has a great plan for your life. Okay, and I know that that's His purpose. So I want people to be happy in the right filter of the Lord. Let me just share, share a few things that, that, I, that I read actually this week. Okay, so some recent Gallup polls. Let me see where we're on time. I had no idea how long this thing was going to take. Um, it's been a busy week. Um, anyways, all right, so uh, 19, 19% of Americans today, this week, last week, believe that polygamy is morally acceptable. Right, that's, that's what the world is saying, 19%. Is that significant? Yes, that's very significant. Now, I see some gray hairs. Uh, earlier in the 20th century in the state of Utah, it was, it was legal, right? So this has been risen and fallen in cultures throughout time, right? But um, 2003, 7%. 2018, 19%. There's a trend there, right? This is what the world, this is, this is the trend, the, the, what the world says, right? Uh, there's a word that, that rhymes with uh, photography that I'll use. And, uh, got it? And uh, 43% of Americans believe that that is morally acceptable. All right? 43%. 43%. This is what Gallup says. They don't have, they don't have an agenda. Uh, they're not trying to, well, they probably do have an agenda. I need to just stick with what I write on this paper here. Um, but, but here's the deal. 2017, last year, 2017, 36%. All 
All right, so there's, there is a 7% uh, swing right there in one year. There's a trend to say that that is okay, that that is okay. This, this is what the world says to us. Uh, 65% of Americans believe that marijuana is morally acceptable. I don't, I don't know what it was last year. I don't know what it was 10 years ago, what that percent was. I don't have that stat. But I dare say it was anywhere near 65%, probably more like uh, 15 or 20% 20 years ago, um, if that high. This is what the world says is okay. And this is what uh, little ears and... Um, we're here, right? So let me ask you the question. Do you find your thoughts, your ideas, your actions trending towards those of the world or toward those of the Lord? And this word trending, that, that's the concern, you know. That, that's the, our culture, it's, uh, it's moving further and further away from the Lord. All right, just real quickly, I want to say this. Does this mean that we should um, stay away from the people of the world? No, no. We, we have to be in, the Lord calls us to go and make disciples. The Lord calls us to be the light. He calls us to be the salt in the lives of this world, okay? But the ideas, the thoughts, we, we need to be spreading the salt. We need to be shining the light, Okay and uh, not being absorbed into that. Um, James is telling us that our common concerns, interests, objectives, enterprises, affection, sharing of experiences should be those of the Lord. John, you know, we, we have to go to the world. John thirteen thirty five. by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another, Okay. So we're to display that love and show that love and tell of that great love to this world. Okay, so my first, uh, my first point is over. So I got seven points, and uh, my first one is um, behind us. I actually have three, and that was the longest one. Trust me. Uh, the first one: do not love, do not love the world. Okay. Second one: this is in verse. Five, oh, and I've turned the page and didn't mark it. Oh, that was perfect. All right, James 4, 5, okay, if you're still in James. Or do you suppose that it's to no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that is made to dwell in us? He, listen, he yearns jealously over you. He loves you. He is passionate about you. He cares for you. Um. You know, and, and I think the proper translation of this is just that. that. You know, James doesn't talk a lot about pneumatology, this Holy Spirit, uh, you know. And so I, I think what he's saying is it the, the spirit, the spirit of life that God has put inside you as a living creature, God, er, he yearns jealously over that. He left heaven to come to earth because of you. Praise God for that. He went to the cross for you. Praise God for that. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. I've already read that once and read it again. 1 John 4, 10, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
He loves you. All right? He yearns jealously that you would repent, that you would run from the world, run to him. Okay? Number one, do not love the, the, the world. Number two, he yearns jealously over you. And number three, uh, he gives grace. Can I get an amen to that? That's what I'm talking about. He gives grace. James 4, 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Um, this is kind of like Paul. And where Paul said in Romans 5, 20, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So if you have, uh, if you've been unfaithful, an unfaithful lover, and we all have at times, right? Been unfaithful. God loves you. He does. Have you preached that message to yourself today? He loves you and he gives more grace. That grace is for you, right? And then he, and he says uh, he gives, he resists the proud. I'm where I'm at right here. Um, he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We see this, this in 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs three thirty four says, Toward the scorners, he is scornful. But to the humble, he gives favor. Humble yourself. Come to the Lord. And he's extending grace. You know, my favorite story... My favorite story in the Bible, there have been probably millions of sermons written about it and uh, probably thousands of books written about it. I can tell it in English. I can tell it in Chinese. Hey, you want me tell it in Chinese real quick? I, did you just say no, Miss Vicky? Seriously? My goodness. Um, she's looking at her watch. No, I'm teasing. I'm not going to tell it in Chinese. The story of the prodigal son, right? Luke 15. The story of the prodigal son, and you know the story. The son, he chases the world. He says, Dad, I want, my, I want my money. I want it now. I'm gone. Right? He chases the world. Runs out. Money runs out. Party's over. He's humbled. He confesses his sin to the Lord going back home. And what does his father do? His father runs when he first says he runs out, waits for him. He's out looking for him before he, you know, he's, he's looking, I imagine he's looking for him daily. And he sees him, he runs to him. He doesn't slap him. He doesn't scorn him. He doesn't make fun of him and say, I told you so. But he, he holds his arms open and gives him a big hug. And then says, go kill the, the, the fattened calf. Go get a robe, go get a ring. My son has returned. He's come home. He was dead. He's alive. He's back. You know, God gives more grace. That's awesome. That is awesome. All right. So don't love the world. Do not love the world. Know that God loves you. Know that he extends more grace to you. So what do we do? I got an idea. Let's stay inside. Let's close the doors. Let's close the blinds. Stay away from the world right there. You know? That works until you get bored and you start surfing the internet. 
and watching television, and all of a sudden the world's up in your house. What? <clears throat> no, that's a bad idea. But, but here, here's what you can do. What, what do we do with this? And Reggie said it so well on Wednesday night. This is the word of God, right? This is the word. This is the word of God. Um, what do we do with it? What do we do with this word? I just challenge you as the people of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ, um, pay attention. I'm I'm not one to say that we should, you know, cut the internet off and kill the radio and and uh, never never go out your door that was a joke I actually did just say that but that was a joke um, no I, I'm not but 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 think about it there, there's not a <laughs> there's not a show you watch that doesn't have an agenda there's not a movie you watch that doesn't have an agenda okay now there's rarely a product you buy that doesn't have an agenda right I mean that's just the world that we live in um, but we we, ha- we have to be in the world in order to impact the world for Christ so that they can know his goodness and his grace extended to them. But think about it. What are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you reading? What books? What magazines? What websites? Pay attention to what messages are coming your way. There's a spiritual battle. Okay? That's number one. Number two, preach the gospel to yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. This, you want to hear some good news? First <clears throat> Corinthians 15. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Amen? Hey, preach that word to you every day. Third thing, preach that gospel to others every day. Preach it every day to your wife to your kids, to your husband, to your parents, to your neighbors. That's the great hope that we have in this world. We have something that that the world doesn't have. That's the hope of eternal life that's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And the last thing, this all just kind of goes together. Treasure, treasure God's grace in your life. Treasure God's grace. Because what he has to offer is far greater Far, far greater than anything this world has to offer. There's no comparison. No comparison. And I pray that Temple Baptist Church will be a people who treasure, who love Jesus, who love the gospel, who preach the gospel, who treasure his grace. And then we say, Lord, where am I going? What am, who, who, am I, who, who do you want me to share you with today? Who in my neighborhood can I reach for you? Who who can I impact? Who can I encourage? Who can I help out today for your glory and your fame? All right, can we do that? All right, well, let's pray. We're going to pray and uh, have a uh, sing a hymn, a decision. Um, Let's bow our heads as, as we pray tonight. Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you. God, you are a good God. God, we we just praise you for the the fellowship that we share with brothers and sisters in a new church plant in Baton Rouge, uh, a traditional church in Hallsville, Texas that we partnered with. Lord, a a new church plant in Los Angeles, a new church plant in Calgary. Lord, I just thank you for the common bond we have in you. Lord, I thank you for the great hope that we have in you. 
And God, we, um, we just praise you for that. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be wise. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to love you more than the world. Lord, I pray that we'd filter every message that comes into our home, into our, into our uh, just in front of us. Lord, we'd filter that through the word of God and through your, your grace and truth, God. Help us to be people of impact uh, for you, for your kingdom. We love you. We ask this in Christ's name.